Hey, well, good morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us, I want to give you a warm welcome. Those of you watching online, we're glad you're with us as well. And I'm just glad all of us could be here uh, today, especially to be part of this uh, child dedication. Um, as many of you know, uh, we, one of our values here at Edinburgh, we want to impact the world. And uh, very, um, some very practical ways um, we have opportunities to do that. Uh, just to let you know, April 3rd, we're going to be doing something called Stuff the Trunk. Want to put that on your, radi- uh, your radar. We, we're even hearing from food banks. There is um, a, a growing need for food. And so we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to have a truck that's going to be out in the parking lot. And so I encourage you to bring um, the, the uh, non-perishable foods that we can uh, donate to help those food banks take care of people uh, in this season. Um, also, we want to serve across the globe, right? We want we don't just impact our community, we impact the world. So we're putting a fundraiser together. We want to raise $10,000 by the end of the month to help the leaders uh, in Ukraine. Uh, we are hearing about the, these courageous leaders that are a part of Converge. That's the network that our church is a part of that are staying there and uh, are serving police officers and soldiers as they are uh, literally fighting for their survival. And not only that, we're hearing about these missionaries and indigenous leaders that are a part of Converge that are holding church services. Uh, just this last week, I heard about a Converge uh, a pastor led 12 people to Christ. that got, They got baptized in the midst of war. So people are coming to know Jesus, and we have an opportunity to send funds their way and support them and show them our love uh, during these uh, during these dark times, during this time of crisis. So, Adam Brooke, I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, you can just write on a check, Ukraine, if you'd like it to go towards that fund uh, raiser. Um, or if you go online, you'll see a, in the drop down, there's a designation for that as well. Uh, we are in a series right now uh, called The Scarlet Thread, and we've been looking at how um, God is telling really this one unified single story. Um, all the way from Revela- um, Genesis that goes uh, through all the way um, to, to Revelation. And it really is one single story that centers around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, someone has even said that in the old, what is concealed in the new is revealed. And what is revealed to us is that God's plan all along was to send Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and to reconcile us um, back to him through, through the gospel, okay, through the good news of Christ. Um, and so we are a part of that story, right? We're living in the, the age of, of the church, and uh, God is working uh, right now and still writing his, his story that we would be a part of it to, to do the ministry of reconciliation and to build his kingdom, God's kingdom, uh, here on earth. Earth. This morning, we're going to look um, at the story of the Tower of Babel because we've been working through Genesis. We're seeing that even when you, the opening verses of Genesis are foreshadowing the, the coming of Jesus. And so we get into chapter 11 today in the Tower of, of Babel. Um, this was probably about six months ago. Danielle and I, uh, we went to, uh, I was thinking this morning, what, what is it called? It's not a pawn shop and it's not a thrift store. One of these places where they sell like old items, uh, antiques, right? An antique store, that's what I'm thinking about. And uh, we're at this antique store, and I don't know what got into me, but I wanted to purchase um, uh, something that I had seen, a a clock that was 
I had seen this online. It was like from the, like the 70s, okay? Don't ask why. There's this clock that was in the shape of an owl. Now, here's what you need to understand about this. I have had to practice saying the word owl. Yeah, I can't say the word owl. It, it was a tough word. See, I grew up, this part of growing up in Texas, we don't talk right. And so I grew up not saying owl. I grew up saying owl, like the name. And so I'm in this antique store, and I said, um, I'm looking for a clock, clock that's in the shape of owl. She said, well, I've never, she said, Al, what, what are we, is she, Alf, you know, she's, I said, no, an Al, an Al, and, and, and I'm like, the bird, she's like, a bird, there's a bird called an Al, <laughs> and we're having this language, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, what, what's going on here, everybody knows what an Al is, and she's like, I've never heard of an Al, she even gets on her phone, and this was the embarrassing part, she Googles it. And she pulls up and there was, she typed in like something like clock, Al, A-L, um, you know, something like that. And some business popped up that was uh, some images on her phone. There was some business, it was completely unrelated, but it had a picture of a stork. Like as she scrolled down, she's like, is this an Al? And at this point, I was so embarrassed. I said, yes, that's an Al. Do you have anything that looks like that? And she said, no. And then I went to Danielle and I was like, Danielle... Uh, how do you say this bird? And I, had to, I was like, how do you say it? She's like, it's an owl. It's an owl. I was like, oh, I called it an owl my entire life. We could not understand each other. And you probably know, like, there is a frustration, like, when, right, when, when language um, issues like that uh, arise, and it happens with me more than I would like um, to admit. I could just only imagine if we did figure that out in the store, and she'd be like, what do you do for a living? I'm a public speaker. Why do you... <laughs> ask. I can't talk, but, but we understand like the, the, the challenges of language to this morning as we study the Tower of Babel, right? It's going to tell us why we speak different languages, why across the world we actually speak different languages. We learn this from this story, the Tower of Babel. And so I'm just going to jump in. This is Genesis 11, starting in verse 1. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there, okay? Uh, this plain uh, uh, in Shinar, we know that uh, this was in the southern part of Mesopotamia. This is in what would be modern-day Iraq. And so the people are moving east, and they settle here. And um, this is already hinting at something. This is, this is telling us that... Right away, the people are, are rebelling. They're beginning to rebel against God and his word. And you say, why? Why, why does this tell us the people are rebelling? Well, as soon as uh, Noah and his family survived the flood that we talked about last week, God gives this command to them. He says, be fruitful. This is Genesis 9.1. Be fruitful and increase in number. And fill the earth. So he was telling scatter. I want my, the world populated. I want you to populate the earth. He had given the same command to Adam and Eve. This is the second time he's saying it. God's will was that the earth uh, would be populated and, and filled with life. And right away, uh, we're seeing that uh, people are beginning to 
disobey and they're wanting to settle uh, together. And so specifically, we, we see what that looks like. Verse 3 goes on to say, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Right? Let's don't scatter like God said. Let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You know, that's exactly what God wanted. He wanted them to be scattered. They're saying we don't want to be scattered uh, over the, the, the face uh, of, 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 of the earth. And so they're going to they're gonna want to build this city. Um, this city of, of Babel with this, this tower in it, made of brick. We know that region uh, did not have uh, a lot of stone, so they came up with a way to, to build, make bricks where they could build this city. And this tower is something that we've actually found. Archaeologists have found these towers, okay? Uh, we don't know if it's this, this exact tower, but they have found these towers. They're called ziggurats. Um, if you've ever heard of a ziggurat, it's like a pyramid-shaped structure, uh, that, they, that they would build. And these have been found through um, in Iraq and, and, and what was Mesopotamia. Okay? And this is the city. This is in the city of Babel. Um, Babel is eventually going to become known as the, the, the country of, of, of Babylon. Okay? And you can see the connection there. Babel, Babylon. Uh, Babylon is going to become known as the enemy of, of God. In fact, if you read uh, Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about the destruction of Babylon. And Babylon it begins to, to, to represent the kingdom of man, the enemy of God. It, 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 it's not so much isolated to one region because in Revelation it's actually talking about Rome, but the big idea behind it, it's this, it's this kingdom of, of man. And it starts right here. We see it. And we see two things uh, that uh, the people desire. I don't know if you caught that. It said, we want to make a name for ourselves. I mean, the first thing they want is they want praise. They want to be honored. Uh, they want other people who see this city and this tower going, wow, look at how great they are. They know how to make bricks and build buildings like that. And they want praise. And isn't this all of our dilemma? Like we, we all have that desire in our hearts to want to be honored and to want to bring praise um, to ourselves. Uh, but not only that, they want security. They don't want to be scattered over the earth as God had commanded. They want to gather together and they, they think they can bring security to themselves. And, and so what do they build? They, they build this tower uh, that we call the, the tower of Babel, this ziggurat. And um, this, uh, the, it's interesting that Babel itself literally means uh, the gateway to God. It's this gateway to God. So they thought they were going to build this tower to the heavens, this, this gateway. And don't think gateway to getting to God. Think of more of like gateway to becoming their own God, gateway to salvation, to saving themselves. They're building this tall tower to bring security to themselves. Why? Because what did we just talk about last week? We talked about the flood. Okay, and so if God sends another flood and we've got a tall tower, we will be safe. 
And, and this is the problem with the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man is always saying, God, see, we don't need you. That's ultimately what's going on here. This is the autonomy of man. This man we don't need God for, to, to be honored. We don't need God for our security. We can do it ourselves. We'll build a tower. We will outsmart God. If he ever tries that again, we will have a tower. We will be safe. We will do it ourselves. We don't need God. And um, this, is, uh, this is, friends, this is a problem we see all throughout history. There's even been philosophies, right? God is dead movement, and we, we don't need God. And we're seeing that in the world today. I would submit to you that one of the reasons we're seeing war today is because people don't, they don't go to God to ask for guidance and what is God's will. They just want to take matters into their own hands and be their own God. And we're seeing the devastating results of what happens when we do that. We see that in culture. You know, I would, I, would, I would argue that one of the glaring things we see in culture right now, even though God said, I, I'm making them male and I'm making them female and giving definition, and we see people saying now, I don't need God's definitions. I don't, I don't need to be labeled as God said. We can be and create ourselves and say whoever we want to be. We can completely throw God off and we can create our own reality. And we're seeing that even in culture. But before we point any fingers, friends, do we not all do this? I'm looking at you as your pastor and I can tell you I'm constantly tempted to want to do life this way. Say, God, I don't need you. I can, I can build my own kingdom apart from you. I think we all, we all struggle with this idea of the kingdom of man. And it's not that cities, it's not that towers, it's not that these things, uh, you know, uh, many of the comforts and inventions that we have today that have brought so much comfort, it's not that they're bad, it's just that we take them and we, we turn them into ways to be autonomous and to say, see God, we don't need you, we got it all figured out. And to throw God off. But then verse 5 says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. So this is somewhat humorous here. There's irony here, right? They think they're building this tower to the heavens. And it says God has to stoop down just to see it. You know, it's this idea. It's like, really, I mean, this would be analogous. The best I can do is to like ants in their anthill, right? Rebelling against <laughs> Rebelling against us humans. Like, we will rise up against you. <laughs> That's my aunt impersonation. That's the best I could do. I apologize. One day you'll see. I mean, seriously, think about how ridiculous that is. And we're just like, it, there's no comparison. It, but yet, this is what we do. This is exactly what we do with God. And God has to even stoop down just to see <laughs> this measly tower that they're building. Verse 6, as the Lord said, if, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So God is saying, I've made them in my image. They are capable of doing incredible things. But it, it will lead to this, their demise, their destruction. And that's one, of the, that's one of the dangers of this, this war we're, we're looking at right now, or what we're hoping doesn't become an escalated world war. It says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other, okay? So 
God's going to come down and he's going to give us different, right? This is, he's going to give people different languages that they begin speaking. Now, how does God do this? I'm going to tell you. I have no idea, okay? Do you? Do you know? Seriously, I don't know, okay? But what it tells us is that God is powerful. And God can do anything he sets his mind to. I mean, God is all powerful. Even if he can confound our speech, you could be saying one thing and God can make something else come out of your mouth. You could be trying to say owl and you could say owl, okay? I mean, God can confound your speech even if he wants um, to do that. And friends, this is one of the primary lessons we are supposed to learn from this story. It says, uh, so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, which is humorous. This is the very thing they didn't want to happen, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The very thing they didn't want to do, God, God ends up doing it. And this is the lesson we are to learn. Guys, at the end of the day, God wins. And God's will is going to be done. And so this idea of Babel, yes, literally it means gateway to God. But in the Hebrew, it also looks like the word for confusion or frustration this idea of being frustrated. And so the people end up speaking different languages and um, spreading out over the whole world just as God commanded them to do. Guys, we, 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 can, we, can, we can try to rise up against God. We can rebel against God. But we've got to understand that at the end of the day, God's will is going to be done. It, it doesn't mean we don't have some measure of freedom. I think sometimes when I'm making choices, God says, I will bless either choice you, you, you want to make. But at other times, God says, this is what I'm decreeing. And when God decrees it, it, it's going to be done. The Bible makes this very clear. Proverbs 21.30, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can see it against the Lord. Job said it this way, I know, God, that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. God's will is going to win out. I remember when I was a teenager, I got mad about something. I don't even remember what I was mad about. What I do remember is that I ended up punching a brick wall. And I punched it like two or three times in my anger. Now, let me ask you the question. What do you think won? <laughs> my fist or this well-made brick wall? I can tell you it was, it, was the, uh, it, it was the brick wall. In fact, uh, I couldn't make a fist for a couple days. I couldn't even closed my fist all the way, and then what was worse was I had two cuts on my knuckles, and every time I would make a fist, those wounds would open back up. And it, it took over a month just for it to begin to start healing. This is, how, this is a picture of when we go against God, friends, it, it, this is, it's futile. And so they think they're going to come together, and they think they're going to build a gateway to God, but at the end of the day, God is going to accomplish his plan to fulfill the earth, and they are going to end up confused. They're going to end up frustrated. And they're going to end up separated from God and from each other. 
And this is what disobedience leads to. It leads to frustration and separation. And I can't help but wonder if some of us even come in here today frustrated, feeling separated, maybe from God, maybe it's even affecting relationships in your life and you're feeling separated from other people. But the good news is God is a merciful God. And his plan, even right away, is to bring order and, and reconciliation again into the world. And I don't have time to get into it this morning, but in the next chapter, God's going to call a man named Abraham. And he's going to give one primary promise to Abraham. It's that Abraham, through you and your sons, I'm going to begin reconciling the world back to myself and each other. way God says it, through you, Abraham, I will bless the world. He says it no less than three times to Abraham. Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. Okay. And so here's the Bible trivia question for us all today. When do we see the inauguration, the beginning of God starting to undo the effects of Babel? Because that's God's plan, to undo this idea of separation. When do we see that inaugurated? It hasn't been completed, but it has been started. What event do we see God beginning to undo the effects of Babel to reconcile people back to himself and back to each other? And I'll give you a, a hint. It's not the cross. Okay, now, Jesus and the cross is what makes it all possible. The life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus is what's going to make reconciliation possible. We read about that in Ephesians 2. You can read about it this week on your own. But that's not the event where we actually see the effects of Babel Undone. Can anybody think about where do we see that? We see it at Pentecost. You remember Pentecost? This is the day the Holy Spirit comes down in tongues of fire and it rests on, on the believers there. And what happens? They begin speaking in languages that people from all across the world can now understand. And what do they begin speaking? They begin speaking the gospel. In fact, we read this in Acts 2. It says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language now being spoken. See, God's undoing the effects of Babel. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language and we're going to get this list of all these different uh, people groups and languages and nations. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. In verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? What does it mean? It means God is undoing the effects of Babel, undoing the effects of the frustration and separation that has come into the world. And he is beginning through Jesus to reconcile the world back to himself and back to each other. And not so much through a specific language, but through the language of the gospel. Through the word that is Jesus that can relate and connect with each and every one of us. Wow. 
And so here we see this, this inauguration of the undoing of the effects of the kingdom of man as God establishes a new kingdom that we could call the kingdom of God. And so on earth right now, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of man that we see at Babel, men doing it their own way and how they want to do it, and we see a second kingdom, the kingdom of God that was inaugurated at Pentecost with the Spirit coming down and changing our hearts, but all because of the life and work of, of Jesus Christ. And my question for you this morning is, which kingdom do you belong to? Are you part of the kingdom of Babel? And part of the kingdom of man? Or are you a part of God's kingdom? And how do you know which kingdom you belong to? So, so let me show you something, okay, that maybe helps you to know. What does the kingdom of God look like versus the kingdom of man? The kingdom of man, I think I've got a graphic up here. You can see our, our life is filled with many things, right? We've got family and we've got finances, good things, hobbies, careers, even, even God in there, okay? But who is at the middle? Who's at the center? Who sits on the throne? The kingdom of man, I sit on the throne, God is even a part of my life. Like the kingdom of man, this is what is, is so maybe scary about even those of us who come to church in, in, in America where so many people identify themselves as Christians. Like God can be a part of your life. That ziggurat I told you about, by the way, there was a temple at the top where they would actually worship some God. It's just that man sits at the middle and man determines what he's going to do and how he's going to live. And so it doesn't mean we don't have God as a part of our life. It doesn't mean we might not even read the Bible. But if the Bible conflicts with what we believe, if God calls us to do something that we don't want to do, I sit on the throne and so I determine what I end up doing. And friends, this, this is the Babylon. This is the kingdom of man. This is the kingdom of Babel that eventually becomes the enemy of God. The kingdom of God, however, who sits on the throne? Christ does. Jesus sits on the throne. And this is why um, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, right? But Christ lives in me. And, and, and so Paul's saying, it, I don't, I've given up my rights to serve King Jesus. This is the kingdom of God, and this is what the children of God belong to, a kingdom where Jesus sits on the throne. And I'm telling you, friends, it is when we submit and surrender our lives to Jesus, that's when the order, and that's when peace begins to return to our lives. We look at what's happening in the world today, and I bet some of us could use some peace. The wars, culture wars, whatever you want to call it. And, and some of us even in our personal lives. Maybe it's finances, family, 
And I bet some of us could use some peace. And here's what I'm telling you, man. You, 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 can, you can do all the yoga you want to do. You can do all the meditative practices you want to do. You can even pray all you want. But until Jesus sits on the throne of your life, you're not going to know peace. Jesus himself said this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This is a peace. This is a supernatural peace, friends. This is a peace coming from heaven. I do not give you as the world gives, as the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of man can give. This is a different kind of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And friends, why do we have peace when Jesus sits on the throne? Because Jesus wins. Jesus is victorious. His kingdom is eternal. The kingdom of man is going to pass away. The kingdom of God is going to last forever. And we get to be a part of it. Which is why when we get to Revelation 7 and we get this glimpse of the end, listen what we read. John, who has this vision, he says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. This is heaven. He says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They held palm branches for the king. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Oh man, God wins. Yeah, his kingdom rules. And friends, when we belong to the kingdom of God, we get to be a part of this. You need some peace today? You need to know you have victory today? And while, yes, the kingdom of man will fade and will be frustrated and there will be wars and there will be disobedience that leads just to more frustration and separation, we can be a part of the kingdom of God that brings order and peace and victory to our lives. And I bet some of us could use a little bit of that this morning. And so which kingdom do you belong to? Maybe you've never surrendered and put Jesus on the throne. Maybe this morning is a morning you could do that. Say, it's time to start serving you, Christ. I want to belong to the kingdom of God. I want that order and that peace to start being brought back into my life. And maybe some of us, we've been Christians and we've been what, but we've gotten some things out of whack and we've lost focus of what our calling is and what we're to be about. So maybe this morning is a time where we could rededicate our hearts, saying, Jesus, you will sit on the throne of my life. So I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. This is an opportunity for us just to get our hearts right with Christ, put him on the throne.
maybe some of you are here and you, you, you desperately need some peace this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to receive that. And wherever you come in today, I, I believe something that can be helpful for you is just to take a step of faith. If you're out there and say, I need to put Jesus on the throne of my life, would you just raise a hand? Take a step of faith and raise your hand. Just raise a hand. It's all right. <laughs> I see a little one. This is an opportunity for us. I see you. Jesus, I want to get my life right. Thank you. I see you back there. Yeah. Thanks. Just taking a step of faith to say, Christ, I want you to be on the throne of my heart. I want to be a part of your kingdom that's eternal and that lasts forever. And so I invite you in, Lord. I invite your peace and your order to come back into my life. And I'm just going to call on that, Christ. Let your peace come down on us this morning. Fill our hearts. Your kingdom is being built here. We love you. We honor you. We like those elders worshiping you. We want to worship you this morning and say, Jesus, you rule our life. You are our victory. You are our hope. You are our peace. No matter what befalls us in the kingdom of man, Jesus, we know how the story ends. So we call on your peace to fall down on us this morning, Lord, and we give you all the glory. And we tell you again, we love you so much for what you've done to undo the effects of Babel and to return us back to yourself and to each other. Thank you for inviting us into that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen.